me in. Count me in. Count me in. Uh, I just wanted to say, count me in. Hi, I'm Rachel. Count me in, baby. Christ Center has always been there for me, and I just want to be there for Christ Center. It takes all of us. We are the church. We are the team. And I'm just happy to be any part of it. Count me in. Count me in. Count me in. Count me in. All right, so the question is, are you in? What? Turn to your neighbor and say, count me in. We are starting a new series, and I love it when we start a new series. It's just so much fun. Invaluable, count me included, and count me invested. That's the DNA of Christ Center. That's our pathway to discipleship. So I am super excited about this. As a matter of fact, it's really more than a series. It's actually more of a season where we are going to unify as a church, where we're going to get on mission to reach people for Jesus and disciple them, teaching them to obey all the commands of the Lord. So it's more than a series, it's a season. And so we've started something called Count Me In Volunteers. And what I'm asking you to do is consider just being a part of the team. And, and that's what today is, is going to be a little bit about, is just letting you know that you can be a part of this team. So if that's something that you want to do, you'd like to, uh, maybe over the course of the next five months, we're just asking you to consider for five months being a part of our volunteer team that we're calling Count Me In. And if you want to do that, it's simple, just text Count me in to 56525. If you're online, you're watching, you can do the same thing. 56525, just text count me in. And you might be asking, well, why count me in? What is this all about? It would be easy for you to think that because maybe you are not up here with a microphone or you are not playing an instrument or you are not tech savvy that you don't have a place in this church, you are wrong. Everyone has a place in this church, and that's what this series is all about. It is about you recognizing that you're part of the body of Christ. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul told the church at Corinth, you're like a body. And there's all kinds of different parts of the body. There's the ears, there's the eyes, there's the nose, the mouth, all kinds. But you make up one body. And that's true of all of us. We are the body of Christ, and we work together. And so I am just so excited about a church that can come together with a common mission to work together. So I want to ask you a question today. And this is not a trick question. Sometimes I ask you trick questions. This is not a trick question. What is this animal? What, what do you call a single elephant? An elephant. Okay, so what do you call a group of elephants? A herd. That's right. You call them a herd of elephants. What do you call this? What do you call this? 
A pride. Oh, you guys are good. Okay. Well, what do you call that? A cheetah. So what do you call a group of cheetahs? And no, it's not Cheetos. It's a coalition of Cheetos. No, a coalition of cheetahs. <laughs> what do you call this? A donkey. Okay. What do you call this? Now, careful, church people. What do you call a group of donkeys? Huh? What do you call a group of donkeys? I got to look at my notes. It's a pace, a pace of donkeys. All right, so what do you call that? What do you call that? A committee, <laughs> a committee. I love it. Okay, this one, this, is, this may be my favorite. What do you call that? A crow. What do you call that? A murder. A murder of crows. Okay, what do you call a single follower of Jesus? A Christian or a follower of Jesus. But what do you call a group of a follower of Jesus? The church or the body of Christ. See, sometimes it changes. It, you move from individual to group and it's different and, and that's true of, of Christianity. We're talking about count me invited. But this whole concept of count me in, that we're in this together. And you cannot separate the single from the group. That's what the Apostle Paul was saying. You can't take away the ear, the eye. We're all the body of Christ. So today, as we talk about count me invited... And over the next few weeks, I want you to really see yourself, where do I fit? Where do I fit in the body? Because we're not just a, a Christian, but we're the church. We're not just a follower of Jesus, but we're the body of Christ. And everyone has something to contribute. And you might be sitting there thinking, I don't have anything to contribute. That's wrong. That's a lie. You have something to give, something to contribute I want to ask you a question. We're talking about Count Me Invited. Have you ever felt like you were on the outside? Have you ever felt like here was the line, everyone else was on that side of the line, and here you are? Maybe it's through, you know, looking at social media and seeing everyone is having a great day except you. Maybe it's knowing that all your friends got invited somewhere and you were left out. I remember in sixth grade, and Tony is my buddy, and he was there in sixth grade. We've been friends ever since grade school. I love it. And you might remember this, Tony. But I was so excited. My parents had a small orchard of apples, and... Um, my dad had made a box of apples, and, I, and, and so he had given it to me to take to school to share with my classmates. And so here I was with this beautiful box of apples, gifts that I was going to give my classmates. And I, as a, as a younger kid, I always kind of felt a little bit left out, a little bit uh, on the outside, just the way I felt. And so I was super excited to give this gift to my friends. And so the teacher invited me up, and I was in the back, and I remember getting my box of apples, and I was walking forward to give my box of apples to the teachers to hand out. And as I was walking up there, there was this young girl named Kristen Kerr, and she was one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. 
and uh, just a straight-laced, you know, nice person, never did anything wrong, straight-A student, just a great kid. But on that morning, she was possessed of the devil. <laughs> and on that morning, as I was walking down the aisle with my gift, she impulsively stuck her foot out and tripped me. And what was apples became applesauce. And I was traumatized. I was horrified. There I was on the ground, apples everywhere, everyone laughing except Tony, I'm sure, who was not laughing. But I was horrified. You know, it's funny because that, that event haunted Kristen for 30 years. She became a middle school teacher, and so she understood what it was like to be in middle school. And 30 years later, she actually tracked me down and wrote me a letter and said, do you remember 30 years ago when I, she goes, I've rarely done things evil in my life, but that was one of the few moments where I, and I'm sitting there thinking, if this is your big trauma in life, you are a saint. <laughs> you know what I mean? But she remembered that 30 years later. But I remember feeling so on the outside, just so alone, everyone laughing at me. And all I wanted to do was share, share a gift to feel accepted, to feel wanted. Part of our church, our DNA, is that people feel welcome, that they feel invited. Because that's Jesus. That's, that's who he is. And so that's why we're opening this series with Count Me Invited, is because we want you to know this place is for you. You are invited. You are welcomed. But more importantly, you need to know that Jesus has invited you. And so I want to read a story. Um, and this is in Luke chapter 5. And we're going to read this. This is going to be our ground zero for today. And so just let's, let's read it together and I'll make some observations. One day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and from Jerusalem. And so what you need to know here is why would all these religious leaders, these popular people, the, the elite, show up to what scholars believe was Simon Peter's house where Jesus was teaching. All of these religious leaders showed up to, to hear Jesus. Why would they do that? He was just a young teacher. They did it because uh, they believed that in order to usher in the Messiah, and the Messiah was the one who was going to come and deliver them from out from under the yoke of Rome. They believed the Messiah would come and, and deliver them from the oppression. And the way they believed this would happen was that you would live according to the Torah and according to the laws in such a way that it would allow the Messiah to come in. In other words, if you were just good enough, if Israel could just be good enough, if it could just be pure enough, if it could just follow the Torah well enough, the Messiah would come. That's what they believed. And all of a sudden, someone shows up on the scene, Jesus shows up on the scene, this young prophet, and he's preaching something completely different. He's saying, actually, you can't be good enough. You can't 
follow the laws well enough. You can't follow the Torah well enough. You can't do it. You need to come to me. And so Jesus was teaching this this belief that was in conflict with what the religious leaders were teaching. And so it was creating all kinds of conflict. And so the religious leaders would be opposed to such teaching. And so they show up to hear what this young prophet has to say. And they're all in this house. And you might think, okay, that's fine. But why is this crowd gathering around? Because now uh, we're going to see that not only do the religious leaders show up, but there's this huge crowd that shows up as well. So, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. So some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. But when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the mat through uh, the tiles in the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. So you have the religious leaders sitting in there with Jesus. He's teaching them. But then on the outside of the house, you have a crowd surrounding the house. And you might think, well, why would they do that? Why would everyone show? Well, look, look, there's no Netflix. There's no Hulu. There's no social media. There's no internet. There's, there's not what we have today. So when people wanted to be entertained, they would often find out where the religious leaders were going to be discussing religion, and they would literally show up on the porch of the house. You see this in the story of, of Simon the Pharisee and, and uh, the, the prostitute. You see the very same thing. There's an inner room and then a door and then there's a porch. And when religious leaders were discussing things, people would come and they would listen. That was, that was what you did on a Friday night. You showed up and you listened to this religious discussion. And that's what was happening. They had heard about Jesus, all that he was doing. They showed up. The religious leaders were there. The crowd gathered. And then you have this paralytic, this man that's paralyzed. And there's four, we think they're four of his friends. They obviously care about him. And they, they, they show up because they hear Jesus is going to be there and they know he's healing people. And so it says that they gather him and they take him on the roof of this house. And you might be thinking, well, that seems like that would be kind of difficult. Except that most houses actually had stairs going up to the roof because oftentimes it was so hot that people would actually sleep on the roofs or they would actually use the roofs as a place where they could go and just relax. And so it wasn't uncommon for these houses to have stairs going up to the roof. So you have these four men trying to get this man to Jesus, and they can't do it. It says they tried. They tried to get him there, but they couldn't. The crowd was too intense, and no one was letting them through. And so they found a way to get to Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but only God? 
So they're sitting there thinking, how dare him say your sins are forgiven? Why is it that you think you can forgive sins? Because the only way sins are forgiven is through sacrifice, through temple cleansing, and certainly you don't have the authority to say your sins are forgiven. If anyone has the authority, it's the priest or the high priest. You don't have the authority. Only God can forgive sin. And Jesus knows what they're thinking. And he's probably thinking, that's right, only God can forgive sins. You do the math. I'm God. But that's not what they think. They think it's blasphemy. But Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Both four words, they're both about the same. Which is easier? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I want you to know. Who does he want to know? The Pharisees. I want you to know that I can forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. Immediately, He stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen a remarkable thing today. Here's what I want you to know. Everyone is invited by God. Everyone. That's the heart of God. Oh, we may have a small embrace. Oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. But God has a wide embrace. For God so loved the world. Not a part of it, not America, not Canada, not not China. For God so loved the world. God's invitation is for everyone. Think about who was there. See, there were insiders, the religious leaders, they were invited. The crowd was invited. And even the ones on the outside, even the the four men with the paralyzed man, Jesus did not turn away. All of them were invited. Count me invited. Is, is, Is that our church? Are we a church where anyone is invited to come in and hear the message of Jesus? It's so easy sometimes to get in a political stance or a a judgmental stance. And yet, if anyone had a right to say, hey, stay back, it was Jesus because he was pure without sin. And he said, everyone come. And he even loved the religious leaders because remember where it said, so that you know that I have the power to forgive sins. The whole reason, one of the main reasons he forgave sins on that day was so that the religious leaders would know he had the power to do it. He loved the religious leaders. 
even as they were diametrically, many of them, opposed to what he was teaching. He loved them. And some of them came to him. Some of them began to follow him. He loved the crowd. How many times did he try to get away to just rest only to find the crowd there? And then he ministered to them. He poured himself out for them. He healed them. He, he miraculously gave them food. He loved them. He invites everyone. All of us are invited. I don't know about you, but there are times where I will try to go do something, and on the way to do that thing, I find something else to do. Has anyone else? I think there's a, a name for that. Um, but I will go into the garage to get something, and on my way there, I will find three or four other things to do. And I will sometimes even forget about the main thing I actually went there to do. Does anyone have that same problem? Oh, good, I'm not alone. Hallelujah. I thought it was just me. I, I, I forget what the main thing is. And, and sometimes I will, I will go out there and I will be in the garage and I will just find myself looking around. I had already done two or three things. It had nothing to do with why I came out there. And now I'm just there going, why did I come out here? And now I do 10 push-ups every time that happens. I'm getting in shape. <laughs> but sometimes we forget what the main thing is. We get so distracted on the way to the main thing that we forget what the main thing is. But Jesus, his invitation is for everyone. But what is the invitation? The invitation was exactly what happened on that day. It's forgiveness. That's the main thing. The main thing was that Jesus wanted you and me, the religious leaders, the crowd, the paralyzed man, to be forgiven. And that's the main thing. As a matter of fact, can you imagine uh, the four men that finally get this person to Jesus? They, they, and by the way, the roof, you want to know what the roof was made of? It was made of clay tiles, hay, and dirt. And, and now uh, they're probably in Simon Peter's house. Most scholars believe they're in Simon Peter's house. And Jesus is teaching, just like I'm teaching right now. And you're getting distracted because the worship team's getting up here. And, and the same thing is happening when Jesus is teaching. Only instead of a worship team coming up here to play beautiful music behind him, now there's clawing on the roof. And, and not only that, uh, <laughs> I see a face. He's teaching. Jesus is teaching. And now there's a face. And now there's multiple faces. And now there's a man who's on some kind of a blanket and he's being lowered down in front of me. And it says that Jesus looked at these four men and he marveled. Now, very few times in Scripture does it say that Jesus marveled. 
But in one of the other Gospels, that's the word that's used. He was astonished at their faith. At their faith. Because they, they were willing to bring this man and they couldn't get through it. By normal means, they could not get to Jesus, so they found another way. And then when they finally got him to Jesus, and they brought him there to be healed. We just sang healer this morning. That's why they brought Jesus to, to heal him. And what does Jesus say? He says, friend, your sins are forgiven. They're probably thinking, excuse me, <laughs> that's not why we brought him. We brought him so you would heal him. But let me tell you something. It wasn't the physical healing that this man really needed. It was the spiritual healing. It's what we all need. You see, maybe it's easy to be distracted by some of the things going on in our world and in our life. But think about what happened. It says that Jesus says, friend, your sins are forgiven. And then the Pharisees start thinking about how that's blasphemous and only God can do that. And Jesus is thinking, that's right. And then he says, but to show you that I have the power to forgive, stand up, take up your mat, and go home. And he does. You see, Jesus wants us to know that at the foundation of our life needs to be forgiveness. It's got to be the foundation. Because the truth is, the truth is that this life will always not ultimately satisfy us. The truth is that this life will ultimately let us down. That's the truth. The truth is that if forgiveness is not the foundation, if you don't accept Jesus' forgiveness and you're building your life on something else, you're building your life on your health or you're building your life on your relationships, or you're building your life on your job, or you're building your life on your retirement, or you're building your life on your family, or you're building your life on anything else, it will fail. But if you build it on his forgiveness, on his grace, it will not fail. Because there may be a day where you pray and you pray and you pray for healing, for this illness that you have, and it doesn't come. But you know what's still there? His forgiveness. Your relationships may go south. They may turn. They may not be what you thought they would be. And yet, his forgiveness is still there. There may be a time where you've got too much month left and not enough money, and that's this life. It can never ultimately satisfy. And yet, if you have his grace, if you have his forgiveness, it's going to be okay. Because what's most important is not the 70 to 80 to 90 years we live on this planet. It's the 
eternal life that we will live. And that's why Jesus said, friend, friend, your sins are forgiven. Because that's got to be the foundation. It's the main thing. And we can never forget that. You know, it, it was the main thing on that day years ago. It's the main thing today, and it will forever be the main thing. Forgiveness. God's invitation is for everyone. And what is that invitation? It's the invitation to be forgiven. Just bow your heads wherever you're at right now, whether you're watching online or in here. Maybe you didn't know that only Jesus can truly forgive sins. That it's only through his sacrificial death on the cross, only his perfect life that was lived that will allow sins to be forgiven. And maybe you recognize today that in your life you have failed. You have fallen short of God's glory. You've fallen short through your sin. But Jesus today is saying to you, friend, I can forgive your sins. Maybe you've never had that happen in your life, but today, even as I'm talking, you feel it in your heart and you know it's right and you know it's true. That's, that's God speaking to you. That's his Holy Spirit knocking on the door of your heart. Thing is, he knocks, but he'll never open it. You have to open it. And this is your chance. I'm just going to pray a prayer. And if you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, if you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins, then just pray this prayer in your heart. Jesus, today, I choose you. I choose to receive your gift of forgiveness. I can't earn it. There's nothing I can do to deserve it. But you say it's a free gift. And I believe that. And I receive it right now come into my life for I want that foundation of forgiveness and Jesus I will begin to follow you for the rest of my life if you prayed that prayer you are part of the body of Christ now. If you prayed that prayer, you are part of the church. You are not alone. Jesus says he will never leave you or forsake you. And as part of the body of Christ, we don't want you to be on this journey alone. So if you prayed that prayer, then I want you to just do this. Text the word BEGIN to 56525. 56525, five, begin. Because we do not want you to do this alone. We want to come alongside you and give you some tools and bless you. So if that's you, just text that number.
And because Jesus wants you to know that forgiveness is the main thing, and you know what forgiveness means? It just means to send away. He sends your sins far away. But Jesus so wanted you to know forgiveness was the main thing that he instituted something that he wanted us to do forever to remind us of his forgiveness and his grace. So would, would you just take out the elements of communion? There's a piece of unleavened bread and there's some grape juice. And they're symbolic. As a matter of fact, it says in 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. I just invite you to take that piece of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. See, Jesus forever wants us to remember that forgiveness is the main thing and that it only comes through him. Count me invited. You are invited to receive his forgiveness. And this little piece of unleavened bread, it has no leaven because that leaven represents sin. And so the reason that we can put our trust in Jesus is because he came and lived the sinless life that we could not live. And he did it. The reason he came was for you because he loves you and he wanted to invite you into forgiveness. So this morning I invite you to just as a token of remembering that Jesus came for you, would you just partake? Thank you, Jesus. In the same way, it says he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The new covenant. What was the old covenant? The old covenant was what the Pharisees were believing they had to be, which was perfect. But they couldn't be perfect. No one can be perfect. The old covenant, you had to obey everything and sacrifice, and, and even then it was insufficient. But the new covenant, the new covenant was that Jesus came and he gave his life. He poured out his blood for you because he loves you so much. And he says, as often as you drink it, remember me. Remember me because you proclaim my death until I come back. Forgiveness is the main thing. And he never wants us to forget it. Would you go ahead and take of the cup? Jesus, thank you so much. 
for the reminder today that your invitation is for everyone and the invitation is to forgiveness. Lord, as we partake of the bread and the cup, we choose today to remember your great sacrifice and how much you love us. And Lord, it's also a reminder that we are to continue to proclaim it until you come back. So that means the invited becomes the inviter. Because that's what it means to proclaim. So Lord, we ask you to empower us to do that today. God, how great is your love for us. How great is our Father's love for us that he would send his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you, Father, for that great love. Would you just stand this morning? And let's worship God together as the body of Christ.